where beer, you know, especially in the you know, 70s, 80s, just really undid any good work it had um and you know craft beer is going to be that change um it, it has the flavor profiles and the diversity within it to appeal to as many people as possible Thanks to Cry Malt, this is Good Brews Week. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Australian Brews News, and this week I'm flying without Prof Pilsner, Pete Mitchum, but I am joined by our good friend from Totem Marketing, Zoe Ottaway. Zoe, welcome back to the show. Morning, Matt. Thank you for having me. Now, we've got you this week. It's a public holiday in Melbourne, so but you're still working. Yeah, yeah, powering on through. Um, I, I, I just love that we've got a public holiday here in Melbourne for a footy game being played tomorrow. There's, there's nothing more Australian than that. So um, unfortunately, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done at my end. So it's all good. And yeah, very happy to be back on the show. It's the joys of uh, working from home. Yes, yes. And this week, uh, Pete Mitchum is hosting at the Royal Melbourne Show, so he is. we weren't able to uh, tee up with him, but I didn't want to not re- uh, record. And sorry to our, uh, all of our friends uh, and listeners, last week we did uh, unexpectedly not get a show out. Um, again, it, it's very, very busy. Prof was travelling, I was travelling, and we just didn't get it. But this week, rather than not go ahead, it's just going to be Zoe and I talking about the news. So, Zoe... Um, was there anything that grabbed your attention this week? Um, yeah, there's, I um, even though I'm based in Melbourne, the, um, the theories and some of the things that happened there may have heard about, um, including a really great win and acknowledgement to Dick with Ale and a great speech from Kerry, um, especially given I think the last few weeks. Um, I, I, that that yeah was one of my highlights of the week. Yes, yeah, so for, for those who don't know, um, in the Brisbane beer community, there's a festival up here called uh, Beer Insider, um, and it's coming soon to Melbourne next year. Um, and they, as, as part of that, because I've got a lot of brewers in town, uh, last year they had the inaugural Beery Awards, which is kind of like the logies for the uh, Brisbane beer community, where the, the best sales rep, the best brewer, the best uh, new brewery, um, and also the best uh community contributor um, are awarded and recognised for their services to the to the local industry. And uh, as part of that, um, Kerry Clayton, who is a brewer down at Bolter at the moment, but she's the current um, head and driver of Chicks with Ales that started, gee, it must have started seven or eight years ago um, with a, like a, a couple of really wonderful uh, women um, in, in the industry who they're, they're not they don't work in the industry, but they were beer lovers and they wanted to encourage more women to, to drink beer um, and become part of the community. And so they started this uh, play on the Country Women's Association and uh, they, they called it Chicks with Ales. And so they've been really great um, drivers for encouraging women into the industry, you know, looking at the culture of the industry uh, and, and everything around it. So Kerry um, was named on behalf of uh, Chicks with Ales. Um, and I've got a copy of the speech here. I'll put it in the show notes. I, 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 you, you've got it in front of you, Zoe. I might actually get you to read it if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I just think that it would be a little bit uh, um, jarring to to hear Kerry's speech read read in uh, my voice. 
All right. Well, I hope I do it justice on um, Carrie's behalf. She said, looking around the room, I see a community I'm proud to be a part of. And it is wonderful to see an increasing number of females as part of this beer community. However, the beer industry is male dominated and we have a long way to go to make it an even playing field. Mixed with Ales was created to nurture a safe, inclusive place for women to celebrate, discuss, collaborate and enjoy beer. Receiving this award tonight is kudos to that. However, it is tempered by an acknowledgement that the space we've created in is needed just as much now as it was when Chicks and Ales was founded seven years ago by Donna, Linda, Kate and Jess. For too long, the marketing we condone, the conversations we have, the jokes we make, have relied on the same blokey culture that has excluded generations of women before us. They have for too long denied women equal ground as drinkers, brewers and professionals in beer. Women have become so used to this objectification that often we are the first ones to call out or make fun of our female selves to blend in with the boys' club. We trick ourselves into believing that if we are the ones making ourselves the punchline, we've somehow claimed the power back, but we haven't. Now more than ever, women in our beer community need to come together in support of each other. Now more than ever, the men in this industry need to use their power to call out the boys' club that makes itself known through jokes, marketing and tactics of condensation and exclusion. Cries of, it was just a joke, or PC gone mad, or my personal favourite, grow a sense of humour, don't help us evolve into something better. They keep us stuck in the past. I look forward to the day that we don't need chicks with ales to create a safe, inclusive place for women who love beer. But until that day, I am very proud and very happy to accept this award on behalf of all my sisters and all the good brothers out there who are working tirelessly to make change for the better. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I could really resonate with her in that, despite all those years from when this um, with Chicks With Ales started and my involvement with um, Pink Boots, it really still does feel that at times we do that one step forward, two steps back. Um, And I I could resonate that, you know, it is just that, that tired conversation that we just feel like we just don't need to have right now. Um, We spoke about, you know, even from a business point of view, the, the biggest opportunity out there for beer are females. Um, and so creating a safe, inclusive place for women who love beer should be a priority. Um, so I thought I thought it was a it was a brilliant speech, obviously a very timely speech. Um, and it's, it's something, you know, if, if we're still having these situations where we're challenging female drinkers and just accepting them into our, our industry. Females are you know, 51% of the population here in Australia. Like we're a, you know, a big minority, I guess um, you could say. How are we then as an you know, industry working towards becoming inclusive for all people, um, you know, people that have other disabilities or, you know, have different backgrounds? Like I... All these things just help the industry get better as a whole for all of us and bringing as many different people as we can into into beer. Um, the best thing any business can do is encourage diversity and inclusion and um, you know, have as many different looking, sounding people as possible 
because um, that's where growth can come from. As you know, in business, that's where different ideas come from. Um, you know, this this has all just been. I think it, her speech to me was just a really positive um, awareness of all the all the potential that's out there just by you know, recognizing some small culture changes have to happen. Um, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just you know, just asking people to be more aware of everyone else out there that could be brilliant contributors to our industry, whether it's as a consumer, whether it's as a brewer, you know, whether it's a business owner. Um, there's so many people out there that we can all get better off for, for making our industry more welcoming for them to come in rather than yep. doing silly little things that just exclude them. Yeah, and, and look, th- these things are always hard for for me, and I'm and I'm sure that they sometimes are for prof as well because you know we try and do the right thing, um, but you, you you're the product of your, your environment. And I look at some of the the things that Kerry said, and you you, you realise straight away that there is a lot um, in there, but I and that there is absolutely a lot of uh, sort of gender um, issues in in the beer industry. But then again, I also look at a lot of the behaviour that's going on that is just bad behavior that is perpetuated in an industry that is dominated by men as opposed to that is actually gendered behavior if you know what I mean and one of the things that stuck out and I don't you know the, the beeries were an incredibly uplifting wonderful event and I don't want to bring them down at all but one of the things I did notice was that um, you know during the presentations there were two of the presenters who were presenting trophies who are industry leaders who would be described as loose um, on stage, which basically they'd had too much to drink already and were behaving pretty uh, loosely, um, which is something that a big part of the industry just laughs at. And, you know, there was a lot of laughing going on as they're on stage behaving in a you know, fairly unprofessional way. Um, and that really resonated with me because we had Kerry's speech, which was the first award of the night, we had the minister who is sort of rapidly becoming known as the minister for beer because he's leading the craft beer strategy. He'd brought along four local members, all of whom had um, members of, you know, had breweries in their electorates. One of them was home brewer. And it was the first time at a major beer industry event we've had such political representation and it was the perfect opportunity to really sell the best of our industry you had Kerry talking about that um, and it was very well received and then suddenly you've got two senior industry people encouraging the minister to you know sort of down a 19 you know down 19 beers with us um, and they were pretty drunk one of the uh uh, award winners um, got up on stage and celebrated by shotgunning a, a beer on stage. And there's all of this stuff that, you know, from from my point of view, uh, apart from the out-and-out um, sexism where there, there is actually conscious decisions made against women or, you know, overt, bad, misogynistic behaviour against women, there is all of this behaviour that is just what I describe as frat house or, you know, boorishness that has a a male perception to it, but mainly because it's men in the industry that do it. But one of the presenters was female and, you know, you, you, you do see, um, you know, a, a lot of this accepted, um, you know, by all of the people in the industry. And 
no one calls it out because and there, there is this element that nobody wants to be labelled, just as uh, Kerry said, um, you know, nobody wants to be told that they don't have a good sense of humour or that it's PC gone mad. Exactly those labels. If you stand up and say, hey, guys, do we really want to be drunk on stage in front of the ministers that are looking at alcohol legislation? Um, you know, there are the allegations, you know, get a sense of humour. Oh, we don't want beer to take itself too seriously, as if being a yobbo and having a sense of fun are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, so, again, look, I, you know, again, being a sort of 49-year-old um, man, you don't want to be lumped in with the worst aspects of a sex um, issue in the, the industry. But at the same time, there, there are a whole lot of things that are just general, don't be a dick or, you know, don't, don't be, you know, Think about the industry in all of your behaviour um, that, that, that cuts across, you know, every participant in the industry. The red flags in what you've just said for me, I think it's easy for us to take for granted in the alcohol industry, or sorry, or in the beer industry, um, just how good we actually do have it. There are certainly a lot of people and organisations out there that would love to see alcohol as strongly regulated as um, uh, tobacco and cigarettes. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, bodies out there that would love to see zero alcohol advertising, um, you know, and we've got a pretty long leash that we can't take for granted. Um, and I think we, we touched on this on previous episodes when we were talking about ABAC. You know, alcohol actually does contribute a lot of negative things to our communities. Um, and we have that society responsibility um, as business owners and producers in of an alcoholic product, to take it seriously, um, you know, sculling, sculling beer, um, overindulging or you know overconsumption of beer, you know that that is alcohol abuse. Um, and while in this situation it's just a joke or just a bit of fun, for a lot of other people in our society, that is actually a really serious and negative thing um, that can lead to even bigger. And more serious negative things, um, you know, in terms of domestic violence or drink driving, um, you know, injuries and death. Like, it's not a long bow I'm pulling here. Like, we have to set as being the industry representatives those high standards for ourselves, so we can then expect other people to to treat our, the products we put out with that same respect. Um, you know, it, it really does bother me and people but you know back in my wine days and now in my um, beer days and we've got spirit clients too when people don't take that responsibility seriously and you know brag about having hangovers or you know know, all the silly things they've done when they're drunk like we're all human when we do it it's again just having that awareness that when is when's what what's personal and when is it professional and yeah getting up on stage um when you're clearly intoxicated um, you know, encouraging sculling or, you know, being proud of sculling in front of everyone, like th- that really just does get my back up a little bit. Um, to touch on what you said about having um, local government or government representatives there, like with my media hat on now, that's a huge step forward for beer. Like beer's always absolutely yeah. attacks and trying to get change. And the only way those changes will happen if we have support from the people with the power to make those changes um, and the next ripple effect on from that is once you have those people with power 
putting their names behind the changes we want, that's when the media get behind it and all of a sudden they start running stories on you know how unfair it is that beer gets taxed as much as we do. And, and the, the legislation that is crippling businesses because you need to go through, there's so much red tape. And you know, I, I linked to a story on Facebook yesterday that um, was talking about a brewery, you know, was celebrating a change in attitudes that came about uh, because legislation allowed them to do something and the legislation changed and it was being held up as because drinking culture has changed, we are now able to do this. And that's the thing. These are the politicians that are going to be guiding um, the future of the the legislation and the industry and making it easier for these victories that we've won in terms of route to market and the number of breweries we've got you know, give them the advantage to keep their businesses going. And, you know, look, it's one of those things, you don't want to be the old man of beer, but I've been um, sort of knocking on government doors for 15 years trying to get them to change the way they approach government. And you just see their eyes glaze over. When you mention wine, people think of, you know, misty, um, you know, uh, vineyards um, in the morning, you know, with, uh, you know, vine-bedecked tasting rooms. When you mention beer, people think of a Forex Gold commercial or a bunch of blokes on the hill at the cricket with half a watermelon on their yeah. head. And when you're trying to sell the vision of what this industry can be, when that's the vision that people have, and that was the vision that they were left with after the beeries, um, because the minister came up to me afterwards and says, oh, these guys like to party, don't they? And he's thinking, fuck, you know, that is the absolute last thing that we want them taking away from the yeah, and and, and there, there were um, two male members of parliament and three female members of parliament. And you're just thinking, really, where are we changing their perceptions about what this industry is when we're behaving like that? And you know, you don't want to be the fun police, but government regulates badly. Um, and you know, if, if they feel the need to regulate, the blanket that they cast affects everybody. The and it's generally targeted at the worst offenders, so it makes the people who it makes it harder for the people that are doing it right. Um, and it, it's just so counterproductive. But the other thing, and you know, when it, there are a lot of people who take a libertarian view about beer, and you know, it's social responsibility. You know, it, it, it's it's up to your um, y- yourself to be responsible, and I'll sell you the drink, and you have to be responsible um, in the way that you drink, and I shouldn't be regulated in the way that I do it. The one thing about alcohol, though, is that it's a product that the consumption of it lowers your judgment. Um, and unfortunately, the person that is drinking can't always be relied. You know, some of us are better at it than others, but we've all gone out and had the moment where we've gone out with the best of intentions about we're only going to have one or two. But as soon as you have that one or two, it makes you feel good and you're judgment is impaired and that's there's a whole lot of you know legislation around just that and as sellers of alcohol and as custodians of the brand for beer we need to be very mindful of that in our behaviors ourselves otherwise we do end up having the government come in and when the government comes in and regulates it is harder for all of us to achieve our business goals and i also take it a step further that would be harder for the smaller independent breweries as well to take on all the different considerations that come in once um, heavy regulation comes in. Um, you know, they don't have the luxuries, I guess, of the multinationals of having you know, a legal team in-house and having multiple marketing people of different backgrounds and roles and responsibilities. Like it will come down to the often to the same person that's, you know, managing the payroll and ordering in like the, the, the 
the produce that's needed and this just makes things harder and that's just where we have to protect the liberties that we have now by showing that responsibility ourselves and not giving them the easy excuse as to why it should be taken away from us. But the industry is selling itself on being, you know, we are different to, you know, the the, the bin tank drinkers and the yobbos and, and we, we craft beer is a different product and that's why we should be treated differently to mainstream beer. And yet when the behaviour is exactly the same as in fact worse than mainstream beer because you know big breweries have a policy that if you're working for a line or an sab miller or you know an anheuser-busch if you get uh done for drink driving you're sacked simple as that you know if you are a sales rep and you you know behave badly or you do you know sort of something on social media you are sacked because they understand the regulatory environment that they exist in um i still think that a lot of their um, marketing is boorish, but it falls within the rules. But in, in a lot of ways, they actually have higher standards than the craft breweries do. And it's crazy because it's the craft breweries that have the biggest potential to change everything. We've you know, got the true stories and you know the real people and we use incredible ingredients and create these amazing flavours. Like There's just so much positive things to always be talking about and changing people's perceptions. Um, you know, p- people will just say, oh, no, I don't drink beer. But they will say that based on just having one of the you know, the mainstream lagers or an international lager. Um, on the flip side, people won't drink a Moscato and go, I don't like wine. They, they still know that they like, you know, Sap Blanc or Shiraz. Their wine's done a much better job of marketing itself over, you know, many, many years and putting itself into, um, you know, just that that mindset with people where beer, you know, especially in the you know, 70s, 80s, just really undid any good work it had. Um, and, you know, craft beer is going to be that change. Um, it, it has the flavour profiles and the diversity within it to appeal to as many people as possible. Um, and so that's, again, that's where we need to be protecting all the great things we do and not letting it, be overlooked because of just some yeah, boorish behaviour. Um, I'm with you. I don't. I don't quite like the word blokey because it's not just men that do that. Um, but it is just that, just that silly behaviour that you know. If we don't take alcohol consumption seriously ourselves, how can we expect you know, our industry to be taken seriously as well? Um, you know, it is. It is an, a. a important consideration in our society Um, we do know it does contribute to a lot of issues within our society Um, we need to be balancing that out with all the good things that it can it can bring as well yeah, so God, I, I didn't mean to uh to bring such a downer on uh on this week's uh show but uh it, it, it was a really important issue i think it's something that you know uh, i don't want to go back into the whole black hops um Thing, but one of the things that really came out for me, um, and, and it was uh, so Peter Weldon's email that I read out, or his, his Facebook post. You know that you sit there silently when this stuff's going on, and on one hand, you've got people who are actively encouraging it, but then I know that a lot of people disagree with you know that behaviour and are worried for what it represents. But they're the ones that stay quiet because nobody wants to be called out as the fun police. Um, but it is something that I think, as an industry, um, we really need to, um, you know, just as we need to speak out when we see 
you know, uh, sexist behaviour that is damaging to the industry and not stay silent. Um, we, we need to call out some of these things. And, it's, and it doesn't mean that we can't be fun. Um, and it does mean that the industry can't, um, you know, be, uh, you know, have a sense of humour about itself. But, you know, the, the, the beer pongs and, and those sorts of things just, we, we just don't need them. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Something that has come up a little bit recently is the whole idea of crisis management. And I think a lot of breweries, um, small breweries, which are struggling to just make beer and get it out the door and get their invoices out, don't think about some of the other aspects of their marketing that they probably need to be aware of. So do you want to just talk to us a little bit about crisis management, what it is and why it matters? Yeah, so listening back to um, the last podcast I was involved with, I realised I did miss an opportunity to talk about crisis management um, and what it means, particularly given the nature of this podcast for breweries, but any any small business out there, um, you know, when things go to shit, that's when you're going to be in the last, that's going to be the the worst state of mind you're going to be in to respond to a crisis um, probably rationally. Like if, again, if we go back to the small business owner, um, you know, if, if there's been, and it doesn't just have to be a social media misstep like we've been discussing recently, there could be an accident or, God forbid, a death at the brewery. Um, there could be a product recall. There's so many different things that will at some stage require an immediate response. And if you're dealing, let's say, with an accident at the brewery that media has got wind of, if you're dealing with the person that's injured, you're dealing with media requests coming in, you're dealing with maybe your um, shareholders or board or you're dealing with the other staff at the brewery, if you just try and think of how many things that would need your immediate attention to sit down at that moment and prepare the words to put out on behalf of your of your business, obviously you're not going to be in the right state of mind. Um, so crisis management is a really important thing to think of when you least need it. Um, so for that, um, you know, it, it is worth just taking that little bit of time to work out within your team, um, you know, who would be responsible for um the response again i would recommend it's not the business owner at the the end of the day the business owner might put their name or the head brewer or whoever is the most profile highest profile person might still put their name against it but it would have to be someone else on the team that can step away from all the other immediate demands and take this on Um, that person however will need support so is there someone else in the team that they can work on it together. There might be someone outside the business that if you're writing up a media release or a social media response to a situation that you can run it past. Um, 
you know, it, it could be someone outside your business, it could be someone outside your industry, but someone that you can trust to turn to and read over it and give honest feedback um, on on your response. Um, and also just as importantly, and we saw this happen with the Black Hop situation, um, you know, does the rest of the business also know their responsibilities during that time? Um, you know, with the Black Hop staff, you know, I think it was hard to tell whether they were um, attacking the issue of people um, calling it out or whether they were just defending, you know, their, their workmate and the business that they love working for. Um, they both came across negatively, but one actually, um, you know, is, is actually kind of coming from a good place because they're sticking up for their mate, but they haven't realised how it's being read to the people on the, you know, the other side of the computer screen. And um, is, that, is that why, you know, it, it, it's a hard one for small breweries because, you know, the, the number of small breweries I've spoken to that, you know, all of their money goes into the lease and if there's any cost overruns by the time they've bought their brewing equipment, you know, then they just go to 99designs to get their logo done. Um, and you'd sort of think your branding is a pretty important thing, but they have just, you know, sort of scrimped uh, on something so important because they just don't have the cash. And so the thought of getting a, you know, marketing or a brand management consultant in to come up with a crisis management plan when they're just struggling to get the doors open, um, seems a bridge too far. But it, it really is something that just having a basic plan ready and having you know external consultants who can actually help you step outside of your own mindset and your own business and your own echo chamber that businesses can sometimes evolve and you know say this is how this is going to play out. Yeah, it is a very important investment, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is something you can invest in, but it's also just having the awareness. It, it's not something, um, you know, I completely understand that, you know, for these businesses, when they start and often for the, for the first many years, it's about making the beer and selling the beer and they're the two priorities. Um, and that that's why we set up um, Totem Marketing is, you know, we're just passionate about getting these um brilliant stories out and helping um, Australian small producers um, get more awareness because this is these are these are real stories these are the things that I get excited about um, so I completely understand you know, the, both the financial and just time resource and all the other um, restraints that um, these businesses face it is just about having that awareness um, you know Putting, putting some priority on, you can't pre-write these things. Um, it, it does have to happen in the moment. But it's just having the awareness that when these start, who is that person that will write it? Who is not necessarily, it, it might not yeah, necessarily be your current social media um, employee. Um, often that might be the business owner themselves as well. So it's about identifying someone in the business that, could at least start it and then as a team because again you've got so many things going on yet this this these reactions are expected to be to come from you pretty fast um and there's nothing worse than having to put words down that you know are going it's going to be absolutely analyzed once they go public and you're doing it under pressure with a thousand other things going on. And that's where having somebody outside of the business that can, you know. Help you craft those words together, yeah. Well, not, not even craft the words, just make you realise exactly. Because I, I think sometimes you're so close to the story, you know what your intention was or you know the backstory. 
um, that you'll never be able to communicate when, you know, when, when particularly when there is outrage and hysteria, yeah. um, rightly or wrongly, that's not a judgment, but you know, once that um, anger starts, people aren't always willing to stop and listen to the long crafted backstory. Sometimes you need that outside mind just of saying, look, this is how we respond immediately to give us the oxygen to then go back and tell the full story. But we, the, the last thing we want to be doing is dumping a bucket of fuel on the fire yeah. and never getting the chance to tell our story. Because there's so much emotion um, during these things on both sides um, and people looking at uh, you know, interpreting the situations in different ways. Um, and often I think it's just that human reaction to have someone accountable um, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, I want to, I want to know who to blame for it. Um, on the flip side, if you're in that situation, you want to, as you just said, get your your story across. Um, whether that be a social media mis- misstep, a product recall, or something serious happening um, within your your workplace. Um, so it is just about having those steps in place that you know who can like who can pick it up and start working on it who's every what everybody's responsibility is and then the greater team making sure they know what to do in times of crisis as well um you know you're not censoring them um, by asking them just to you know, stay off social media or um you know don't talk to media um whether you know should a tv crew rock up or you get a call from the radio station is everyone should know who that who those media requests get um directed to and that they just need to step back. Um, yeah, it, it's not censorship. It's just making sure that everyone knows that no commentary should be made. And the messaging is consistent. It's just basic things. So everyone's saying the same yeah, thing. It's just the um, one voice. Um, so, yeah, I did, that, that was just something that after the last episode, um, there was, again, I think I've said in the past how, you know, even in a bad situation, there's an opportunity to turn it into something good. And, um, you know, should something like what happened to Black Hops, I think can be a bit of a wake-up call for other small producers out there to say, you know, we might not do a social media post like that, but we do, breweries can be very dangerous places. Like what would we do if there was an accident here and then, you know, somehow the local media found out and you've got a TV crew on your back, on your, um, back door in 20 minutes, like, who who faces that? Who do they talk to? Who do we direct things to? Um, you know, what are our key messages? Um, you know, and and how realistically can we respond um, effectively? Um, so yeah, I just I just really wanted to raise that when these things happen, they happen fast, they happen hard. Um, you know, that's not when you're going to be in the best state of mind to. Um, face media and do it on the fly. It's It really is important to just spend a bit of time doing that um, crisis management plan so you know who um, who is responsible for what. Um, and, you know, whether that be, okay, well, no one here is actually media trained or, you know, wants to face media. I don't know if we could do it. Um, you know, I don't think any, or you know, there's no one in our team that would be comfortable writing a press release who do who would we then turn outside our business for um and just like have it already set up so you know how to just step into action um rather than just trying to think about it on the spot when you have hundreds of other things going on that will also need your immediate attention mm, okay 
So, well, look, I, I, I think that's actually a really good topic. We might dig in uh, uh, even a deeper episode, um, special edition, where we sort of get a couple of um, brand and marketing people to talk about the, all, all aspects of this because it is a very important thing for for our um, industry listeners to, to, to be aware of. So um, thank you for giving us that idea. Um, now, Zoe, we are coming up against uh, the, the cook limit. Um, that uh, I, Do you know what the cook limit is? Yes, I've heard it. You've heard of the cook limit. So, <laughs> so uh, coming up to the cook limit. So we, we have a letter of the week. Um, and I'm glad that we've got you on because I'll get your thoughts about this. And we're staying on the um, uh, Black Hops and the Beer Insider theme. Um, now, our correspondent says, uh, I've been listening to the podcast for a while now. I really enjoy it. I uh, live not far from Black Hops and uh, I'm involved in the homebrew community. So I know the personalities uh, here. Um, I was very disappointed with the launch of the beer. For what it's worth, uh, I didn't like, um, referring to liking on Facebook, and I'm acutely aware of issues around um, discrimination in beer. And so this week we have the annual Beer Insider Festival. I know it's been running for a few years now, but surely it's a beer and cider festival, um, not beer insider. Is it a dirty joke or is this a double entendre? Some homebrew podcast from the USA ran this ongoing joke a few years ago. Um, is this a case of me being precious? I value your thoughts on this. Please don't identify me on your podcast. Um, so I, as I say, Zoe, all of our best emails start with don't quote me on this or please don't read out my name. But um, I, I thought that this was a, a good one to, to post because these little things do come up and people feel very – we, we do live in an online discussion era where you can raise things that um, should be able to be raised by everybody in a safe um, environment where you can sort of raise it, you know, and it, he's just sort of asking, you know, is there something more to this that I'm seeing? Um, because, you know, we've seen beers in Tasmania, there was a Dickens cider, um, that's Dickens as in Charles Dickens cider, um, but when you say it quickly, um, it's it was designed to be a double entendre, a very gross uh, one at that. Um, do, do, do you have any concerns about the name Beer Insider um, Festival, Zoe? It's not the first time that has been pointed out to me. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's things that these things happen and straight away you're like, that crossed a line. There is a grey area in between. Um, I, think, I think that's a great example there where, you know, the Dick Insider is obviously trying to work on words in one direction. The beer insider, um, I think it could be, you know, it's quite reasonable to go, okay, you know, insider as in like an insider joke or insider scoop or, um, you know, that's also a word in our language as well. Um, and the cider bit as in S-I-C-E-R and then cider as in terms of the drink, there's a connection there. Um you know, again, you know, it should, it's, it's a great area because you don't want to be censoring people and you don't want to be um, too blanket on this stuff. Um, you, you can't, um, I guess, lead people down a certain way of thinking or, you know, limit. Um, it, yeah. I, I don't think there is a black and white answer to this stuff. Um, I think the beer insider, um, is clearly, to me, um, quite an innocent um, reference. I do get the other interpretation of it, and and I think you need to look at the, the whole 
everything about the brand, about whether you you, you take that interpretation of it. And I don't think there's anything about it. I think it's meant to be like an insider is in, you know, like I'm a, like you, 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 you're inside the, the, the group or inside the tent or you're inside the, 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 the club sort of thing. Um, I'm, I've never actually raised it because there's nothing, been nothing about the event itself that has um, presented itself as being like a, a little schoolboy double entendre. Um, it, it, it's just a name that um, it's got cider in it, and it's you're an in, you're an insider, or I'm a beer insider in the inside the industry. Um, yeah. Is is my take on it? Yeah, I think the other ones clearly have the intention of going down a different path, and you would think the very vast majority of people when you say something like a dick insider, we'll go straight to that place. Um, and same yeah. with the Black Hops name. Um, if, you know, if you take it to that next level and go, well, if, if myself as a female were working behind the bar, would I be comfortable with you know, a, a drunk guy coming up and asking for a pint of fresh um, Insert beer name here. Um, of course, oh, I well, there was that terrible beard. You know, um, I think it was beer bitch, and the whole campaign was people walking up and saying because I think it was a German name, um, whether it was made up or not. Um, and you had this series of blokes going up and asking for a beer bitch of the sort of bartender, and, and you know that, that's obviously playing to the lowest common denominator. But I don't think there's anything to see here, and or, or, or any issues. No, 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 and yeah. There is a connection there, but to me it's a very loose one and I think the vast majority of people would be quite happy um, and there'd also be a lot of people out there that just wouldn't make that connection. Where something like a dick insider, I think people, the vast majority, would think of that straight away. Um, and they, you know, Well, I, I think that's the intent. Um, so, so whether people think about it straight away, they're, they're intended to think of that straight away. Yeah, and I think that's the difference is it's the intent um, of... Um, trying to get that reaction or just having a name that's playing on a word um, quite effectively in terms of, yeah, like like the insiders, the, you know, this is the inner crowd or the, the people in the know. Um, that, that's, there's, a, there's a logical connection there. Um, but, yeah, if you place other words in front of it, it's actually just being quite a, a, a dirty marketing ploy, um, which I think... Yeah, would it would it warrant being called out when when needed? Excellent. Well, thank you, anonymous uh, correspondent, and you will be receiving our mixed six pack as for being the letter of the week. Um, and actually, that came in through Facebook, so that was a Facebook uh, message. So you don't just have to send us an email if you are out and about on the phone. You can just uh, message us via Facebook to, uh, to to let us know what you think. Zoe, thank you very much for joining us once again. We always appreciate your your insights. Hopefully, you'll be able to join Prof and I uh, for for an episode uh, fairly soon. Yeah, anytime. You know, I love coming on, and I hope Prof is having a great time at the at the Royal Show. Oh, he's just an old carny from way back. <laughs> um, I bet he's dropping puns over there, left, right, and centre. So. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, and listeners, thank you very much for, for, for listening yet again. Don't forget, um, Beerers Conversation will come at you uh, Tuesday night and uh, we'll be back again for another episode uh, next Sunday night. It was, it was really lovely, actually, Zoe. We did miss um, last week, but the, the number of people uh, who I've heard from since who said, oh, what happened to the episode? Or there was an episode. You know, I got in the car Monday morning uh, or got on the bus Monday morning to, uh, to commute to work and it wasn't there. So, uh, 
yes, we, we, we have been very good at being regular, um, but uh, yeah, every now and then the hamster does fall off the wheel. So uh, we will be as regular as possible. But thank you for listening. Zoe, uh, look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Do you have a tip for the grand final this weekend? Um, I don't feel terribly passionate about other team once my Richmond Tigers got knocked out. So I'm all about the beer tomorrow. And <laughs> You're in good friends. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. 